All right, let me see the hands. If you're married, would you raise your hand? Let me see all the married people in the room. Okay, put your hands down. If you're not married, but you want to get married, raise your hand. Let's get that hand up. Stand up. Let the crowd see who you are. We'll connect some people this morning. I love getting people together at church. Let's go. If you want to find somebody, seriously, stand up. and I will set up a date right now. No, all right, put your hand up. All right, so your parents, you are a parent. Okay. You were born of a woman. Would you raise your hand? All right, this message then is for everyone. As we talk about the family today and the heart of your family, uh, I, I, I want to make this statement and, and get an amen if you say this is true. The days go slow, but the years go fast. I'm looking out at a lot of senior adults right now. The morning services always had the senior adults. I pastor in Branson, Missouri. You're my people, okay? You're my people. But the days go slow and the years go fast. Uh, my daughter, this is my daughter, Corinne. Uh, she's my outdoor girl, pioneer woman, 14 years old, passionate about critters and everything nature, knitting, crocheting, uh, all of that, but not just that. Raising the animals to harvest the fur and to spin her own. I mean, she's just passionate about it all. And she loves this little fawn uh, named Sugar. Loves deer. My son, he loves deer too. He's a big deer guy. Uh, I was at a church in Philadelphia and the pastor came up to me before the service and said, yeah, you really can't show that picture here. I asked today, the whole staff, can I show this picture? And they're like, yeah, are you kidding? You're Absolutely. Prescott's the perfect place to show that picture. So... Hunters in the room, let me just see the hunters in the room. Lots of hunters in the room. Are we in hunting season right now? Oh, and you're here at church. That's good for y'all. You're like, we're the good hunters. We already got our deer. All right, so I grew up in a fishing family. It's actually how I broke my hand a few weeks ago wading in the Little Red River in Arkansas. I fell while fishing, so it's pretty much a sports injury. That's what I'm calling it. Um, But I didn't grow up hunting, but we had a friend that told us, I'm going to teach Carson how to shoot, and on Thanksgiving weekend, we're going out into the woods, and I'm going to put you in a stand, and he did. He put us in a stand. He went a half mile down. Well, here we are. We've never hunted in our life. Carson and I are in this stand. 11-point buck walks out through the woods. Carson drops the deer, and uh, unless you're from California, we release this deer in a forest preserve down the road. I just want you to know that. We would never, never actually hurt the deer for the taking of this picture. Uh, but we went down Creekside and I can't tell you, the hunters will tell you in here, my adrenaline was just like, whoo. And it was a father son moment. Like I've never had. And I'm high fiving Carson. I didn't ask him to pose for this picture. He just was in him. He left, he's pumping fists and I'm like, we're high fiving. And he goes, dad, 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 what do we do? What do we do? And I'm like, I have absolutely no idea. I said, but I think according to the movie, Red Dawn, you got to take a bite out of its heart. (laughs) While I yell, Wolverines! I think that's how this whole thing's supposed to go. But my kids are out at the book table uh, this weekend, and uh, they're 12 and 14. But just last week, uh, here's a picture of my kids, just from last week. I don't know if we have any country music fans in the room, but that's that Kenny Chesney song, Don't Blink. Don't blink, because just like that, your babies turn adult. Don't blink. That was last week. This is next week. (laughs) The days go slow, but the years go fast, right? 
The days go slow, but the years go fast. This is going to be me holding on to Corinne's hand, and I just spoke a blessing over her, and, and I'll be like every other dad that speaks a blessing over their daughter at a wedding. It just comes out like this. And then I'm going to be looking at some pervert. Uh, no. But I'm going to be whispering in his ear, like RP's whispering in Matt's ear there, I'll kill you. No, I'm not going to be doing that. But the days go slow and the years go fast. Here's what we know about children. They see everything we do. They hear everything we say. They remember everything and then they repeat. They see everything, hear everything, forget nothing, and then they repeat. If you have your Bibles, want to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy 6 is where we're going to see this big idea play out of family discipleship. And hopefully, mom and dad, the priority in your home is your child's heart, not your child's behavior. Today, parents are obsessed over attributes, accomplishments, athletics, academics. But today we want to look at the main thing. And the main thing is the heart of your child. Are you fighting for the heart of your child? They see everything, they hear everything, they forget nothing, and then they repeat. My son and I, we love watching YouTube clips. If you get an opportunity, go home today, type in youtube.com, type in the German Coast Guard, 30-second clip, guys being trained day one on the German Coast Guard, and a mayday comes in. Mayday, mayday, we are sinking, we are sinking. Ah, hello, this is the German Coast Guard. Mayday, mayday, we are sinking, we are sinking. Ah, what? are you thinking about? (laughs) My son thinks that's the funniest clip he's ever seen. He falls over in laughter. And a few weeks later, we're driving down the road and I start singing a hymn from my childhood that goes like this. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. And from the back seat, I heard, and what were you thinking about? And I looked at Amy and said, they see everything we do. They hear everything we say. They forget nothing. And then they repeat. Our words and actions, mom and dad, that, that, that our kids see over and over and over and over again, because they got a front row seat to, to my life and to my marriage, right? These are writing messages upon the hearts of my children and will one day go into their family. We call it family of origin. Their family of origin will follow them into their next family. And today we're going to see how that works in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 7. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There are four truths in chapter 6, verse 4. And I always remember it this way, four truths, verse 4. There is a God, there is only one God, He is the Lord, and He is our Lord. And with that, we know to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. Verse 6 tells us what to do with these commands, tells us what to do with there is a God, there's only one God. He is the Lord, He is our Lord, and we will love the Lord. Mom and Dad, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. It starts with your heart, and then, verse 7, impress them on your children. Influence your children with what you believe about God and how you're living it out in your life. Impress them on your children. And how do you impress anything on a child? Well, you talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. 
In other words, the big idea from this text, parents are the primary authors of the child's heart. Every day they have a front row seat to your walk with Christ. Every day they're listening and they're watching and they're seeing if this is real. Or they're seeing, do they act one way when they're with this group and another way when they're with this group? Or what is their faith and what is it really all about? They're seeing all of that. And you've got thousands of hours a year to be impressing a love for the Lord upon your children. And at church, actually, you probably get about 40, 50 hours a year. Mom and dad, you're the primary author above teachers, above coaches, above, above small group leaders, above those who are working with the kids right now. And here's the key. Your heart is the key to your child's heart. It starts with your heart, and then we talk about your child's heart. And years ago, I was getting worn out in our home as our kids were much younger. I was trying to find an illustration that I could share with them the value of the heart. And why the heart's so important. And I was one of those dads, like I'm sure almost every dad in here has experienced at some point, where I'd walk in the family room and they were fighting and knock it off wasn't enough. And I go, what's going on? Well, she started it. Well, he licked me first. Well, and the back and the forth and the back and the forth. I'm like, Lord, give me something to teach them about the value of their heart and how to take, here's the key, 100% personal responsibility for the heart. So I want to encourage you to consider buying a $5 plastic banquet jug and keep it under your sink, okay? And when the kids start having the blame game, go on in our home, go on in your home, pull it out. And when the kids see the love jug, that's what we call it in our home, it's the love jug. And I pull it out, they know a lecture's coming. (laughs) And the lecture is so painful to them that once my son even asked me, Dad, would you please give us a spanking instead? You know you got a good lecture as a parent when they would rather have a spanking. And so I pull this out and I go, what is this? It's the love jug. What does it represent? It represents my heart. I'll do it like Carson would do it. Uh, Who's responsible for your heart, Carson? I am responsible for my heart. How much are you responsible for? For your heart. I am 100% responsible for my heart. How much is your sissy responsible for my heart? She is 0% responsible for my heart. And then we quote Proverbs 4.23. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Mom and dad, be obsessed with the heart of your child, not the behavior. Why? Because every word your child speaks and every action they take flows from the heart. Start with the heart. Don't start with the behavior. Get to the heart of your child and the heart of the issue. There's always something else going on. And so I, I would, we quote Proverbs 4.23. I believe every family needs that verse memorized. And as, as I go over then to the sink and I start filling up the love jug with water from the sink, I go, what does this represent? It represents God's love. That's right. I mean, we, we want to... Uh, do devotions as a family, pray as a family, talk about the Lord throughout the day. I mean, this is, this is why we do this, kids, is because we want you to leave this home. And while you're in this home, be as full of God's love as possible, the true and only source of life. As First John tells us, we want you to know and rely on the love God has for you. So we want you to be full of God's love. Now, here's where it really gets fun. You go over to the cupboard and you start grabbing all different shapes and sizes of glasses and you start spreading them out. 
And you can see this is about a 20-minute lecture. That's why the kids are absolutely worn out by the whole thing. And you just start spreading them out. And, and these glasses here represent, I'm going to stagger them like that so the side views get them. You, you say, okay, here's all the people that I'm going to be pouring into today. I'm going to be pouring into these people. And I, so I've, I've, this is Ted's heart. This is Dad's heart. And I'm as full of God's love. I've had good. I'm physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally, I'm, I feel full. Now I'm going to go pour into people and I'm going to just live life, do ministry. Who's the first person I want to pour into? Who's the first person I want to pour into? My spouse, right? My wife. And so uh, I grew up in an independent, fundamental, premillennial, King James Version only Baptist church. Okay. <laughs> this is not an approved glass. That's all. <laughs> I'm saying, Ronnie, let me borrow it for this message. Uh, I got to get it back to him so he can have a full set uh, afterwards. So, so yeah, I want to pour into my wife. And one of the commitments we've made in our marriage is that we would not give one another the leftovers. Uh, We call this overflow, right? So God is my source of life. I want to give Amy what we call choice overflow. I want to give her the best. I don't want to just pour into everybody else and do the job and everything. And then if I've got anything left at the end of the day, I'll give her something. That's not how we choose to live. And then 14 years ago, we had Corinne May. And uh, how many of you had an easy firstborn child? Would you just just raise your hand? Easy firstborn child. Okay. How did God solve... uh, Let let me ask it another way. How many of you... How many of you took credit for the easy firstborn child? Let's just be real honest. Okay, I'm going to point to you because you were very enthusiastic as a couple... How did God solve that cocky attitude in you, sir? Yeah, you know, he gave you a second child. And that second child came out. <sighs> that, that happened to us. We're like, what in the world? Corinne May, easy child. And, and she's just an easy baby. And we took credit for it. We did it right, baby-wise. Woo, right? We got... We have raised the perfect child. We sat around one night, got so cocky, I looked at Amy and said, we're so good at this parenting thing, we should bless the earth with more of our children. <laughs> and then we had our second and decided, yeah, the earth has plenty of children. We don't, need to, <laughs> we don't need to do this. But I love pouring into my kids. My daughter, she's a teenager now in high school. It looks different than it did when she was eight, finding new ways to pour into her. My son, he's still, he's 12, he's Bear grills, man versus wild. Uh, it, everything's about surviving, right? So we had a free weekend a little bit ago, and I'm like, hey, Carson, what do you want to do this weekend? <gasps> oh, Dad, let's just go into the woods with nothing but a knife and a canteen. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I said, do what? He goes, just survive. <laughs> so we did. We went in the woods with a knife and a canteen. What he didn't know is we were surviving in the woods right behind Cracker Barrel. That's how we got <laughs> through that, that weekend. That was a good weekend. Immediate family, I poured out half, over half. My parents lived two streets over. Uh, they retired to Branson uh, probably 13, 14 years ago. But my, reda- my dad retired 18 years ago. And for the past 18 years, he has been watching Fox News 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And when I walk in the house, I'm like, hey, Dad, how's it going? To which he responds, well, we're going to hell in a handbasket. That's how it's going. The world is falling apart. Ain't going to be nothing left for you kids. They're like, wow, Dad, I've told you. You got to start watching a little more CNN. 
or Joel Osteen, I don't know. But you can't, can I just say this to my friends? And I see there's some conservatives in the room, a couple of you. I just want to tell you the same thing I've told my dad because I love my dad and I'm going to tell it to you. You cannot watch the same news cycle, the 30-minute news cycle, repeat every 30 minutes all day and be any sort of happy at the end of the day. Look at Sean Hannity back there going, yeah, no, I don't agree with him. I don't agree with him at all. I'm informed. I'm not mad. I'm informed, right? No, you're, you're mad. I believe the 24-hour news cycle is wrecking our nation. I, just, just as a, I submit that to you as a personal opinion. I don't even have a verse to go with that. But when you watch the news repeat all day long, and it's the same thing for social media. When you just go on social media and live out another person's life just all day, I just want you to get this thought in your head. It is sucking the life out of you. So I, I pour into my dad. There's somebody whose husband watches way too much Fox News. Okay, all right. My mom, she's easy to pour into. Thanksgiving, whoo, she just, all she wants, we're just going to be together around one table. Don't anybody go anywhere for eight hours. We're sitting around this table. My mom doesn't want any more stuff. I look at some seniors in this room. You don't want no more stuff, right? I'm, I'm at that point, I leave my parents' house with boxes of stuff every time I visit them. I'm like, Mom, you put your blender in this. I'm done baking, right? I mean, she's just, she's just at that point. But you know what she's not done with? Family. To honor my mom, all I have to do is talk to her about a conversation I had with my brother. How's he doing, Ted? I go, Mom, he's doing good. What did he do this today? I go, Mom, you talked to him right before I did. But that's not the point. She wants to hear one son talk about another son. This little shot glass here represents my mother-in-law. <laughs> hey, yeah, no, pipe it down, all right? Bring it down one notch. That gets you in trouble, that type of stuff. What's funny, that's a punchline, and my mother-in-law wants you to know she's a party on wheels, okay? She says, anytime you use that punchline, you make sure people know I'm awesome. All right, so she is. I'm almost empty, and I haven't even been to work yet. And every single person in here has one person at work that sucks the life right out of you. <laughs> Raise your hand if you got that person at work. Just be real honest. Raise your hand if you are that person at work. <laughs> Look at nobody ever admits to that. I'm almost empty. Let me give you a couple definitions of codependency. The textbook definition of codependency is excessive emotional reliance. Relying on people too much. Gary Smalley's definition of codependency goes like this. Plugging into people, places, or things as your source of life. My kids wouldn't get that at age five and seven, but this illustration they get. This illustration they get because they, I, I, after I pour into all these people and I'm empty, I'm going, here's the problem in the family today. And maybe this is an illustration you need right before Thanksgiving, before the crazies show up. <laughs> your family's not your source of life. Your husband's not your source of life. Your children are not your source of life. Just, parents, not your source of life. Jesus is your source of life. And to have this, have this idea when codependency creeps in, Jesus is my source of life, not you. That's a, that's a common saying in our home because this kids get, codependency is pouring into all of these people 
waiting for them now to pour back into you. And that's why relationships and why families become stuck and so difficult and so painful is because they're codependent. They're waiting on one another. And you want to know what the most miserable marriage on the planet is? A husband and wife connected to each other as the source of life. That's a miserable marriage right there. Painful marriage, frustrating marriage. You want to know what a great marriage is? Husband and wife firing each other as the source of life. Connecting, plugging into the true and only source of life, and then spending their days giving each other the overflow. That's a great marriage. When Amy and I were first married, we were plugged into each other as a source of life because we fell for all that bad movie theology. You complete me. (laughs) Now that I found you, life will never, oh, it's just going to be perfect. And it doesn't take long to realize that ain't the case at all. When we were plugged into each other as a source of life, she would, I mean, it got this bad. I told her one day, I was so frustrated. I said, babe, there's not a lot of adventure left for men in the world anymore. So would you please let me find my own parking space? I want to do it all by myself. I want to provide this for my family. (laughs) She would point out three spaces from the door. I'd drive past it 20 spaces down, and we were at that point in marriage. This is simple stuff. That point in marriage where it's like, on everything. And I said, this isn't how we want to live, is it? No, so we fired each other as the source of life. And so that's not, now, we still have the parking lot fun, but my wife, she's better at this than I am. Now when we pull into a space that I found, watch how how different. The same situation. I found the space. I ignored her space. But when we pull in, she leans over and she starts massaging my bicep. And she'll say, you did this all by yourself. (laughs) I am so proud of you. You know what I caught her doing a couple years ago? She knows I am in love with those Andy's candies at the end of an Olive Garden meal. She bought a bag of them, and she keeps them in her purse now for when I do something good. And it was in a parking lot that she handed me my first one. And I ripped that thing out of her hand. I'm opening it up, and I realize, huh, my wife just gave me a treat. She is rewarding my good behavior. I am a dog. I was all right with it. You just got to open it up and you got to enjoy it. It only works when your spouse is not your source. We do the same thing with our children. Boy, we're like, oh, the children will complete our home. Then you have kids and you realize nothing will suck the life out of you faster than a child. As Kevin Lehman says, I have seen the enemy. And they are small. This is what said. We've fallen for this faulty input-output theory of parenting that says whatever I pour into my child is what I will get out of my child. Look at mom and dad. There's a Hebrew term for that. You know what the Hebrew term is? That's the Hebrew term. In the Greek, it's balone. I just, as I just made that statement, whatever you pour into your child is what you will get out of your child. I just saw 
seasoned parents going, (laughs) why? Children are not your source of life. And by the way, mom and dad, you shouldn't be your child's source of life. Your job as a parent, according to Deuteronomy, is to point your children and to influence your children to the true and only source of life. You know the problem with all these people right here? Everybody that you pour into, these are all limited supplies. What happens when you plug into a limited supply as a source of life? It makes you desperate. It makes you clingy. It makes you codependent. You remember the morning we woke up to the dreaded news, Twinkies went bankrupt? Do you remember that? (laughs) That was a rough day. You hadn't had a Twinkie in 20 years, but your first thought when supply is ending is, (gasps) I got to have boxes. We got to store up. Somebody knocks on the door and says, oh, we're doing some construction down the street. We need to turn the water off for an hour. You were fine until you heard that. And then you're like, I'm thirsty. That's what a limited supply does. But you know what connecting to the true and only source of life does? It allows you to pour into people, your family, your extended family, your coworkers. You are freed up now to serve other people with zero expectations of anything coming back to you. Because you know who the source is. You're freed up to pour into others without them pouring back into you because you know who the source is. I have a face that screams retail. Every, I go to restaurants and stores all the time, and I'm asked the question, excuse me, do you work here? Anybody else have that problem? I mean, it's seriously, some of us, it's just Marxists. I wear a lot of, you know, vests, so I'm assuming that's what they just think I'm a manager. And I'm so tired of being asked that question, I just go with it now. How may I help you is my standard <laughs> response. We were at a restaurant, our favorite little uh, sandwich shop in Branson, Missouri, called Sugarleaf, and we were having lunch as a family And I got up to use the restroom, and I saw a senior couple over there, and they were mad. I could tell they were kind of fighting a little bit. So I went, okay, I got a few minutes. So I walk over to their table, and I said, how was everything? And he said, got to be honest with you, we're pretty ticked off. I said, oh, I said, I hate to hear that. I said, what seems to be the problem? He said, well, your sign outside said bratwurst, and we stood in line for 20 minutes waiting for bratwurst. We get to the front, and there is no bratwurst. Can't you wait for the day in life when that's the biggest issue of your day, a store being over? Sean Handy's like, it's a pretty serious issue. I said, sir, what can we do to make this right? I hate this. And I said, what if I get you a piece of pie? And he said, well, thank you very much. So I go over, I stand in line, I buy him a piece of pie. I bring it back. I set it down in front of him. He starts asking me questions about the restaurant. And I'm like, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't work here. I said, that's my family over there. And my family, all at the same time, waves from across the restaurant. I get back to the table, and I'm pretty fired up. Like, there's adrenaline, like hunting adrenaline running through me. I'm like, what? What? Kids, did you see that? That was incredible. That was unbelievable. I believe that's what our home should be like as we serve one another with zero expectations of anything coming back. Woo! I'm going to say the right thing. I'm going to do the right thing because I know who my source is, and I'm connected to the source. And how you respond to this isn't the issue. It's, it, my job is to pour myself out, not just to fill you up. Man, try it. Try it when you go to lunch after this service. Stop by the bus station and pick up the water pitcher and just start walking around the restaurant, <laughs> filling up empty water glasses. At first, the wait staff will be like, what is going on? But after about two minutes, they're like, smoke break, and they're out the back door. <laughs> The heart of your family starts with your heart. 
Some of you right now are thinking, uh, I'm going to consider firing my spouse as my source if he does. Listen, some of you are here without a spouse today and your spouse is at home or doing something else. Don't wait for them. You disconnect from them and choose the true and only source of life. And as 1 Peter 3 says to the wife of an unbelieving husband, let a gentle and quiet spirit... How does that gentle and quiet spirit develop? By taking 100% personal responsibility for your heart and not blaming your spouse and then allowing that to be an influence over him. May it start with your heart. We read in 2 Timothy chapter 1, the Apostle Paul is speaking to young Timothy about what's really important. I am reminded of your sincere faith. Who influenced Timothy with his sincere faith? He says, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. For me, it was a grandmother Mary Jane and a mother Bonnie. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. I, I had the opportunity. I grew up uh, outside of Naperville, Illinois. I was born in Naperville, Illinois. Uh, this is my grandma's house at 625 West Jackson Street, over 100 years old. Uh, that front porch, so many memories on that front porch. My grandma was a fluffy woman, if anybody knows what I'm talking about. At 70, she went in for a, a doctor's appointment and saw the young doctor write down on her chart the word obese. Completely and totally ticked my grandma off. She made the doctor cross off the word obese and write the words little chubby on her chart. That was Mary Jane. She went to be with the Lord a few years ago at the age of 90. And when I think about the messages she gave me uh, on that front porch and at the kitchen table right behind that, I just, I've been going down memory lane a little bit in the last couple of years. This is my grandma's next door neighbor. I'll show you a picture of their house. It's true. Look at this picture side by side. This is not Photoshop. This is Grandma Mary Jane's. She's the last little house on that, on that street. And I went there two weeks ago uh, to take a picture because about a month ago, this is now what it looks like. They took her house down to make room for the next. And you can get sad, but you know what? The important stuff lives on. You know, my grandma didn't have a lot of stuff. Somebody broke into her house one time and she calls the police. They're filling out the report. And when the, the police said, uh, Mary Jane, what was stolen? She went, huh. They broke down the back door and made a mess of the house. She walked through the entire 800-square-foot home, came back, and she was embarrassed to tell them they didn't take anything. <laughs> Why didn't they take anything? She didn't have anything worth taking. She wasn't a rich woman, but she was a very rich woman, if you know what I'm talking about. Because she... she took what matters the most and made it matter more. She, she wasn't caught up in our attributes and accomplishments, athletics and academics. She was, as we read in 2 Timothy 3, 14 and 15, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. I hope every young person in here, every student would hear this. If you had parents who passed on a faith to you, continue in what they influenced you in. If you did not have a grandmother or a mother or a family that influenced you in your first-generation Christian or you're considering Christianity, can I just encourage you? Let it start with you. You be the first one to begin influencing your children and your grandchildren to come. And it says, And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise, and again, keeping the main thing the main thing, for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Why? Because Christ Jesus is your source of life. Francis Chan said that I don't, I don't fear 
failure. I fear succeeding at the wrong things. And as a parent, I fear succeeding at the wrong things. I want this to be my priority. I want influencing this on the heart of my child to be the priority. Don't give yourself a rest today if the grades aren't where you think they should be, if they're not developing relationally. I mean, you, whatever it is as a parent, you're looking at your child thinking, oh, no, we got to work on this. May the main thing be the main thing, and that is that your child is connected to the true and only source of life. Focus on that. Is there anybody here raising toddlers? Can I just see the hands of toddlers? You got toddlers. What are their ages? Three? Five and three. Do we have any grandparents in here married over 50 years? Let me just see the hands. You married over 50 years? They're always in the back because they didn't want to make the journey down front. <laughs> Anybody over here? I'll just get you close. Anybody here? Grand- in 40 years, 30 years. But you're, where are you at? Okay. Do you know this lady right here? Would you do me a favor and after this service go get to know her? You know why? Because you got antibacterial product hanging all over your purse. She used to let her kids pick up cigarette butts and chew on them. And her kids are fine. Her kids are fine. Oh, you're clapping, but I'm not done with you, sir. She used to let her kids sleep in the back window of the car on long trips. You now strap them in like you're launching them to outer space, right? Here we go. Oh, this won't be bad. This won't be bad. How long are we doing this? How many of you remember drinking out of garden hoses? Yeah. And we're fine. We're all fine. Raise your hand if you've ever been shot by a BB gun. Yeah. Listen, you want to lower the crime rate in this country, you let your kids right now start shooting each other with BB guns. How many of you remember when your dad couldn't figure out which of your siblings was at fault, so he just spanked all of you? Anybody remember that? How many of you remember when your mom spanked you with whatever she had handy? Anybody? <laughs> Raise your hand if you've ever been spanked by a blow dryer. Look at it across the room. Absolutely. How many of you remember when your parents sent you upstairs to wait for your spanking? <gasps> that was worse than the spanking. Because you thought after a few hours, they forgot. They didn't forget. They're just having a date night. That's what they're doing. And when date night was over, you'd hear dad coming up the stairs. You'd hear the belt hitting every loop. I had a stubborn brother on his side of the bed. They're like, oh, he ain't going to break me. I'm like, are you kidding? I'm screaming on the backswing. Oh, what? <laughs> How many of you remember when your dad helped you build a ramp to jump your bike over the ditch with no helmet, no pads, and you fell down and got hurt? What did he say? Way to go, son. How many of you remember when your parents told you the bell on the ice cream truck meant they were out of ice cream? Anybody remember that? Those were good days and days and many of them that we need to get back to as we prioritize what's really important in the home, and that's the heart of your child. Would you pray with me? Father, it is in the name of Jesus that we thank you uh, for every mom, dad, grandma, grandpa in here. And I, I pray that you fire them up, charge them up, fuel them up so that they go home understanding there is a God. There's only one God. He is the Lord. He is our Lord. We will love the Lord. He is going to be our source of life. And this is going to be the priority in our home from this day forward. 
above academics and athletics, above attributes and accomplishments. We are, gonna, we are going to be influencing our children from the time they get up in the morning to the time they go to sleep at night. And as they walk along the way and as they sit at our home, we want a conversation to constantly be going on about the priority of our relationship with Jesus Christ. And that is the true and only source of life. And it's through the authority of the name of Jesus and through the power of the blood of Jesus. Everyone agreed and said, Amen. Amen.